But also another thing I want to mention when it comes to all these festivals in Chinese culture is that the theme of unity, um, unity, uh, harmony, these are ideas, these are things that people celebrate, right, in China. Uh, these are something, you know, people worship. And I don't really feel that back in the States when I studied and lived there. Mm -hmm. Like in the States, it was more about, you know, who do you want to become? You know, what are your potentials? And it was all about the individual. But here in China, you know, when it comes to even in these festivals, usually the main theme is unity. For example, for the Mooncake Festival, you call it the Mid-Autumn Festival. It's about families being together and also the Spring Festival. And no matter how far away from home you are, from your, you know, uh, hometown, you go back, right? After whole year's hard work, you go back and reunite with your family, have some really nice meals and even, you know, get drunk and just uh, relax. Um, and same for this festival. I think um, sometimes maybe foreigners don't understand how important this concept is in Chinese culture and how important it is as part of the festival. It's not just about, you know, eating mooncakes or giving gifts. It's about being together, making an effort to come back together. Unity. Yeah. Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life and everything in between. My name is Jason. Today with me is Baby. Hello, Baby. Hi, that's even shorter than before. Hello, Jason. And Hi. hello, our dear listeners. It's going to be a fun show today. Are you ready? Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. I'm ready to eat a whole bunch of mooncakes. So the story of... You actually like mooncakes? I do, but they're different kinds. Let's get into that in a bit. Uh, sure. I think this is about Chang'e's ascent to the moon with her rabbit. That's what I understand as a Lawai, as a foreigner here in China. <laughs> Why every mid-autumn, families and friends gather together to eat mooncakes and retell this story about, you know, Ho-Yi right, Ho and Chang'e. Mm. This is a time for traditional harvesting and relishing in the full moon, and China has exported this tradition to nations all all over Asia. Well, actually, my first question for you, baby, is a little bit different than usual. Mm. When you were a little girl, what did your family do when you were young to celebrate? We always had mooncakes and it was a time for family gathering. That's the most important thing. Mm. You know, family members get together. Aunts and uncles who live not too far away, we would get together for dinner and cook a huge meal. And then mooncakes, all kinds of mooncakes. That's always part of it. And then when the weather is nice. Was there a recitation of Tang Dynasty poetry? I don't think so. Not in my family. Well, but then when it comes to poetry, it's so part of everyday life mm. that we probably did without noticing that we did. Because you know how like... Uh, even with my daughter, we would, you know, poems would pop up because it's part of her like Chinese education. So, yeah, probably. Mm. And then another thing we would do, I remember back in the day when I was little, was we would sit outside like, as a family, my grandma with her bamboo fan or like some kind of straw fan and just sit outside and watch the moon and chat with neighbors, with family. It's a very peaceful time. And for some reason, in recent decades, as people have become more prosperous, everybody has so much more. But we lost that sense of restfulness mm. and peacefulness when, you know, back then. Well, how do you mean? Because you were asking me about like mid-autumn festival back when I was a kid. Like time was slower, you know, mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. actually sat down yeah. and enjoy the meal together mm -hmm. and would take their little like chairs and stools and sit outside and chat and watch the moon talk about, you know, tell kids fairy tales. But nowadays that seems to be like people are too busy for the whole mm. celebration in a way. But the holiday is very strong. This festival, like it happens every year and everybody um, does something about it for it. The easiest part as a foreigner to digest holidays or maybe for anyone anywhere is the food, right? So every holiday has its food. I was just going to say that mooncakes are not easy to digest. Just as a side note. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
also there are different kinds of mooncakes. So, you know, you get the crispy ones that are like dry and they have different kinds of fillings. You have red bean paste is one that I dislike. And then they have like a bunch of different kinds of seeds, like in mm-hmm. a sugar base. Five. That one's really delicious. Mm. Mm. And then the, you have like the modern ones, which are softer and more moist. And they are filled with like all kinds of things, including fudge. Now, if you go to Starbucks, Ooh. you can get like fudge filled chocolate flavored mooncakes, which is I don't think anything like origin you mentioned starbucks and i've had Mm -hmm. gifts given from starbucks like these transparent moon cakes and they're like frozen half frozen like they're cool and they are so not like moon cakes and i had one Mm -hmm. no i had half and i was like this is like chewing plastic it probably has like a hundred different kinds of ingredients in it to make it taste sweet and chewy and plasticky. Mm. And I was very suspicious of it. So I had like half and just kind of threw the rest away. <laughs> the traditional ones are made like they're handmade. We've made mooncakes with our daughter before. Mm-hmm. It's just flour and lots of oil. And you're supposed to use like lard, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. pig fat. Yeah. <laughs> and then sugar, all kinds of nuts, like kernels from different kinds of uh, like seeds, basically. Mm-hmm. And red bean paste is always popular because it's very healthy. But the whole thing is, what do you call it? A calorie bomb? Yeah, I heard that. And yeah, and that's also why you are never supposed to eat a whole mooncake like by yourself. It's always sliced up. Have you noticed? But they come in packages of like four. Sometimes, yeah. And they are getting smaller these days. There are more variety, but getting smaller. I've seen the opposite. I watched a video. It was on Douyin and it's like a cake size or not a cake, a pie. It's a pie sized mooncake, you know, big enough that you could not wrap your both of your hands around it. Oh, my gosh. So if someone had a whole like mooncake of that size, it'd be like 10, you probably end up in the emergency room. (laughs) (laughs) Like literally, what do you say? Like clogged arteries. So just so you know, I actually had a note somewhere. Maybe this is uh, good advice for people who are not familiar with a tradition like they're not meant to be eaten just like a whole thing you pick it up and eat the whole thing we always cut it into like four quarters or like six or eight parts and different members of the family would take a little slice and eat it with tea because it's so sugary and oily you're not supposed to eat too much at once it's just like a nice little dessert I'm trying to think of an object that Western people could digest this size. Maybe it's the size of a hockey puck or slightly smaller than that. Yeah, like a smaller, like a small donut, like a small donut. Yeah, a very small and one of those miniature donut size. It's like that, but it's all like solid. Yeah. And filled with different things. You can throw it so, yeah, at people the... and it will actually hurt. <laughs> well, maybe not the Starbucks <laughs> kind. So the Starbucks thick. kind will just like come apart. No. <laughs> it will stick. <laughs> the Starbucks ones will stick. Oh, there's your another body. kind. It's like Dairy <laughs> Queen or some down. kind of ice cream kind that you can get. You actually, they have these tents. They set up all over Beijing. Yeah. You show up with a ticket, and they give you like a bag with like you know dry ice in it to help you maintain its temperature until you get home. And they're made out of ice cream and stuff. Huh. So obviously, there's all kinds of modern versions of this. But Ooh, and there's also the story. Now, the, here's the thing about the story that I always found interesting. Every year, I go look up the story. And every year Mm -hmm. I find a different version and different, there are different (laughs) outcomes or different reasons she went to the moon, different reasons how we like destroyed all of the, okay, okay. I'm going to tell you my version. You want to hear my version? Yeah, let's hear your version. Okay, you go go ahead. You go. You want me to go first? Okay. Yeah, you go So I think it was, my stories, it happened in a time when probably a a period of, you know, climate disaster, like a Mm -hmm. a severe case of global warming. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many thousands or tens of thousands of years ago. It was so hot and there was such severe drought on earth. Mm -hmm. People were literally like dying off. Mm -hmm. And the reason was there were 10 suns in the sky, Mm -hmm. like 10 suns in the sky. Can you imagine? And... In cases like this, there's always a hero, right? A heroic figure who came out and sacrificed himself to save the rest of humanity. And this guy, this hero is called Ho Yi, which you mentioned. <laughs> so Ho Yi, he was a great archer. You know, people who can shoot arrows and like mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bullseye every time. So he came up, he ran to like the top of the tallest mountain. He shot down nine out of the 10 suns. 
So at the end, there was only one sun left in the sky, and things went back to normal. Right. So Hou Yi, Hou Yi's wife, is called Chang'e,、hmm. who later became the Moon Fairy. At the time of the story,、hmm. you know, she was just a beautiful lady, and of course, she was、uh, Hou Yi's wife. And so, for because of what Hou Yi did, he was rewarded with, I think, with two immortal peel, two immortal pills of some kind of、uh, elixir. That would give people immortality.、Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people were looking for those, and so Ho Yi had two of those. He didn't really take them.、Mm. You know, he gave them to his wife to for safekeeping. So she stored it in you know in their house. She didn't really eat them, but. Ho Yi had a student, or you can call him apprentice, who learned how to shoot arrows and archery from Ho Yi. He was a bad guy. He was an evil character. He was always very jealous of Ho Yi because Ho Yi was always number one, and people loved him、mm-hmm. because of heroic actions. He was always doing good things for other people. So this guy, he always was trying to find a way to kind of, you know, remove the number one. One day, he when Ho Yi took him into the mountains. To practice archery, my story goes that this apprentice actually killed Ho Yi, and、oh, wow. <laughs> I know. But in some versions, that didn't happen. But what did happen was this evil guy went to Ho Yi's house where Chang'e was. He was trying to steal the pills of immortality, and Chang'e always knew that this guy wasn't straight, wasn't like right. Mm. So and、uh, can you imagine? She was home by herself. She was a beautiful lady, and then came this evil guy and trying to like who knows what he was going to do. So in the case of like emergency, Chang'e ate those pills herself because、mm. he didn't want the bad guy to get those pills. Can you imagine an evil guy living forever?、Mm. You know, among people. So she swallowed them, and before she even swallowed the second one, she started you know lifting up. Off the ground, and after those two pills were eaten, she was on her way to the sky, and eventually she flew to the moon.、Mm. So that's all it happened. I don't remember where the rabbit came from,、mm-hmm. but in all the stories, there was a rabbit with her. But I did find a separate story for the jade rabbit,、mm-hmm. uh, which I can share with you a, li- a bit later. It's also interesting. You know, that's very similar to one primary version that I've heard, read over and over. Is similar, but in the versions that I've read. And you know, China is a huge place, so obviously it has different iterations.、Mm-hmm. Ho Yi turned out to be bad, and he was given no way. Yeah, he was given a vial, a vial of this <laughs> magic elixir. It wasn't two; it was just one. It was a liquid, and that he was rewarded for、mm. his, you know, outstanding achievement of yes, getting rid of nine of the suns through archery. And he began drinking little sips of this, and he could fly. And he began tormenting the local village. What? He became like this malevolent person. So his wife, feeling、What? sad for the villagers, drank all of the remaining elixir one night while he was passed out, and took her pet rabbit with her. And it caused her because she drank so much at the same time to fly to the moon. And her and her pet rabbit settled down there. Okay, I have never heard that version before, and I think if you tell it to any other Chinese, like at the start of the story, it sounds kind of okay. Oh, I have, I have, and many they will all have this puzzled look on their、oh, yeah. face. It was like, where did you get the second part? No, I've had people say that was <laughs> no, it. No, I don't. Yeah, think so. I've had people say that was I, it. I don't think so. Absolutely. Okay. Well, absolutely.、Oh, absolutely. I'll send you text of it <laughs> from multiple websites where it's been written down by Chinese people because this is a version that is part of、uh, different regions because there's regional. Versions of all of these stories have noticed. Oh, Hoi is not very happy with this version of the story. <laughs> oh yeah! You're listening to the bridge. I have a question for you. Sure. Well, you said you have a the, where the rabbit came from special,、oh, unique、yes. standalone story. Ah, you want to hear about that? Because absolutely, I've always known about the rabbit, but like never. It's like a tale that you grew up with. You hear it so much that you're not curious about it anymore. So I didn't know the details. But then on this website, it's called ChinaHighlights.com. And he talks about、mm-hmm. you know this festival, and in the article, he answers the question: How was the jade rabbit selected? Hmm. Why rabbit? The article goes: A long time ago in ancient China, there was a god called Wu Gang. I know about him. Okay, 
But the details: his job in heaven was to make pills of immortality.、Mm. You know how they make Chinese medicine, grind things up, making them into like nice pill. They're actually pretty big. So these pills、um, are needed for the immortals because they have to take it every thousand years or so to stay immortal. Mm. Or else, after a thousand years, they will just fall from the sky. Right. So let's say, Jason, we are about a thousand years from taking our next pill. Okay. Then I think for mortals, if they take these pills, they will become immortal. They'll live forever、mm, somehow. So one day, this guy Wu Gong gave a few pills of immortality to humans. A lot of humans want immortality, and maybe some people just ask him so persistently that he eventually gave them some pills. But because of this, of course, this was against heavenly rule.、Mm. The Jade Emperor, you know about him, right? That's like you know the god in heaven in Chinese、yeah. legends. So the Jade Emperor was furious,、mm. and he punished Wu Gong by making him cut a magic laurel tree for all eternity. So I guess it will just be this guy hacking at the tree forever. Oh, wow. So no one is there to make pills of immortality anymore, <laughs> and the Jade Emperor he didn't trust any more humans,、oh. right?、Uh, he didn't trust our judgments anymore. So he decided to choose an animal for this job. So he came to Earth, or his spirit came to Earth, and he、uh, was in the form of an old man in search of food in the forest. He met three animals in the forest: a fox, a rabbit, and a monkey. And he wanted to test the virtues of these animals. Now, all these legends is all about you know virtues and、uh, how we should be. So he told these animals,、mm. "I am too weak to move.、Mm-hmm. Please bring me some food." And the monkey and the fox, I guess they're bigger and more capable. They offered him、uh, some food like rather quickly. But the poor little rabbit, you know, he couldn't find anything. And feeling guilty, guess what he did. The rabbit jumped into a fire, cooked himself, and offered up himself as food to <laughs> to the Jade Emperor. So when I read this, I was like, "Oh wow, wow!" But you know, moved by the rabbit's sacrifice, the Emperor of Heaven gave the rabbit eternal life and made him the next divine medicine maker. So that's how he was selected. But how did he become the Moon Goddess companion? Are you still interested? Hmm. Okay, I am.、Uh, then let me find the next page. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so the rabbit became an immortal. It was making these pills, and one day the queen mother of the West—that's another like you know goddess figure、mm. in Chinese legends. She shows up everywhere. So she came looking for the jade rabbit and asked for a few extra pills of immortality. You know, for her, it's like I am the queen mother of the West. Of course, I can ask for pills all I want. <laughs> But the jade rabbit told the queen mother that each immortal can only receive one pill every thousand years, and so there are rules regarding these pills.、Mm. That didn't make the queen mother of the West very happy, right? She insisted on having another pill. And the jade, poor jade rabbit didn't dare to refuse, so gave her the extra pill. And guess who is angry again? <laughs> the jade emperor, right?、Mm. He heard about this、mm-hmm. and、uh, asked the rabbit to determine a punishment for himself. Oh, so it was a nice way of punishing somebody. And this article, it says, the jade rabbit told the emperor. That he would go and live in the Moon Palace with Chang'e and be lonely forever <laughs> as a punishment. Which is rather a creative、uh, way of punishing oneself. So, and then why is the moon rabbit called the jade rabbit? Because it's actually a really pretty rabbit. The emperor was so happy when he found this rabbit that he made the rabbit snow white, and it kind of like glows with this light, and it's a little bit like jade, you know, beautiful white jade. Oh, like a white jade. Yeah, yeah, it's nice and white. And also in Chinese culture, like people like rabbits. They symbolize selflessness, piety, and sacrifice, which I think have nothing to do with rabbits,、uh, or maybe I just don't know them enough. <laughs> so that's the rabbit story. You know, there's a special、mm-hmm. rabbit here in Beijing. A special rabbit that is like a、um, yeah. There's a, there's a rabbit god creature that is 
I've seen it in little temples and things, but it's only here in Beijing. I've been to like, I don't know, 30 or 40 Chinese cities. And there's a very special rabbit that stands upright and looks very kind of almost humanoid. Hmm. It's like a humanoid-ish rabbit. And it's very popular here in China. If you go to, or it's in Beijing, if you go to Tianmen, there's actually a little temple for this particular rabbit. But there's also little shops around Beijing, including one near the Kongzi Temple that I saw yesterday, where you can buy little statues of this very specific and particular rabbit. I don't think it has much to do with the jade rabbit, but there is an obsession with rabbits in Chinese mythology, Mm -hmm. which I think is fascinating. Everyone loves a very good story. But what I really want to know is, you know, Mm -hmm. there used to be a way to celebrate Christmas, for example, hundreds of years ago. It's nothing like the corporate-sponsored, Coca-Cola-bent, Santa Claus version of Christmas that we have today. So, Christmas all about gift yes, giving. It's all completely changed mm-hmm. its meaning. It's completely changed how it's celebrated and very little of it is where it originated. I wanted to ask you, you know, China has undergone tremendous change, you know, in your lifetime and also in the last century or two. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about maybe how things have transformed? How is it do people sit around and look at the moon and eat mooncakes and you know speak? Tang Dynasty poetry together today, or is it all about, you know, something else? Well, I think the like the festival has been well preserved. Hmm. We might not go outside and sit like, you know, to watch the moon because people live in high rise buildings these days. Hmm. And also there are mosquitoes outside. And, you know, back (laughs) in the days in the countryside, maybe it's a different story. Right. Countryside people have their own courtyards and they'll uh, sit outside where it's nice and cool. And they will tell their kids about, you know, what's happening in heaven mm-hmm. and what the goddess and gods are doing. But in the city, it's a different story. But it's um, something about the mooncakes. It's very persistent. Mm. And because uh, it's also about gift giving. But for this holiday, the gift is mainly just mooncakes. Mm. So by now, it's like nobody really love to eat the mooncakes. Maybe not nobody, but like most people we're not crazy about mooncakes because there's so many other like sugary dessert choices nowadays right not like thousands of years ago so even though they're not as popular as desserts anymore but still you feel you have to give them offer them as gifts so all these like workplaces companies um you know for this holiday they always give their employers i'm sure you're gonna get some Right. For this holiday. Uh, Well, I certainly hope so. Yeah. And families, um, they will buy boxes, fancy, nice boxes for their relatives. Hmm. And it becomes (laughs) sometimes, you know, after a few days, you will find the same box that you gave out back in your own hands because people (laughs) kind of just like pass this around. (laughs) Nobody really wants to eat them, but you have to give them. Yeah. So it's, I guess, a little bit different from mm, Christmas. But the fact that this gift giving tradition is very persistent and you've heard my complaint about packaging for mooncakes right sure it's like the worst case of uh wastefulness in packaging they are no longer just boxes man they are like some fancy award-winning designs uh, when it comes (laughs) to mooncakes you have like a huge box like you open up there like three layers with different cabinets and they're only like four mooncakes inside (laughs) but well um if you're a thrifty person you can save that box and use it for other things summer is obsessed with packaging that's true in a different kind of way sometimes when we get really Mm. elaborate for example there'll be these strange i know this sounds strange but people give gifts of a comb like a very fancy ornate comb like hair comb like a brush you know for your hair oh they oh, come in these like beautiful horns. boxes that are like covered in like lavender or velvet. And so Summer will collect mm. these and use them for other objects that she considers important. Yeah, I do. I have these boxes saved up. But then when you have a lot of them, they take up a lot of space. <laughs> we have yeah, we I, bought I, cabinets I feel... for those. So we have more packaging for Oh, <laughs> you have cabinets for like packaging. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. listening to The Bridge. I wanted to just mention that this is, again, like almost every, I guess, every Chinese holiday, one that is dependent upon the uh, Chinese 
lunar calendar. And so that it is held on the 15th right. day of the eighth month of the Chinese calendar, which this year in 2023, for those of you who want to be practicing, it is September 29th, which is a Friday. So Friday, September 29th is Mid-Autumn mm. Festival. It will be a full moon, as is the practice. And you can go outside and, I guess, mm-hmm. cut your moon cake into little pieces and share it with your family. Right. And the name of uh, this festival in Chinese is called Zhong Qiu Jie. But more commonly, people would just say the 15th of the eighth month of the year. Really? But of course, that's in lunar calendar. Yeah, yeah. like we just say Ba Yue Shu, which means the eighth month and the 15th of that month. But in the West, people can also call it Mooncake Festival or Moon Festival. I mean, the main idea is the same. People, family get together. Right. And um, look up to heaven in a way. And I think that's something different about Chinese culture. And this aspect of it is very persistent. As modern as things have become, I think people stick to the legends and also still remain all like all A.W.E. Hmm. for heavenly things. You know, for a set of laws or the way Mm. that's above human existence. In all these legends, you can see that, you know, people in heaven, they follow their ways, right? You do something wrong, you get punished. And also, even back in the days, like Empress, which was at the pinnacle of Mm. one human society, right? But even the Empress are ruling because they ruled because they had a mandate from heaven. Mm-hmm. So in throughout Chinese culture, you see this respect for a higher right. level of being for, you know, this respect for heavenly, I guess, for heavenly rules or for the way we don't think of it as being religious. I think it's a form of um, what's the word? Humility, humility, like humbleness. Right. That's what I mean. To know that humans are not, you know, the supreme being in the universe. Now, mm-hmm. we are one species among many on this planet. Mm -hmm. And there's so much more out there than we should pay respect to. I think that's a very strong Mm. uh, gene in Chinese culture to know our own place, you know? Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about regionalism a little bit. So I have this article, Everything You Need to Know About the Mid-Autumn Festival, Time Out Hong Kong by Jenny Lung. This is from August 2023, so last month. Mm. And she talks about some of the Hong Kong traditions. So I want to see how similar or dissimilar from the traditions that are practiced here in the North Mm -hmm. are for you. So she mentions that there is a fire dragon dance that is practiced on this holiday uh, is that something not that we where see I've up lived. here in the north not really yeah dragon dances mm. i've actually seen them in chinatowns in the u.s <laughs> more than i've seen them here in china but maybe i'm just not yeah, at yeah, the right yeah. parts of the city because i don't go out much yeah but i you know i noticed that they had a lot of them in wuhan last year uh, mm-hmm. it was the year before last i was there and they did have dragon dances for this holiday mm-hmm. and i thought wow this is very interesting because they're right they're are dragon and lion dances up here but they're very seldom mm-hmm. yeah you don't see them all that often uh but this fire dragon dance you talked about is it called tai hong fire dragon dance yes and it says according to the article that it's one of the most spectacular traditions during the mid-autumn festival in hong kong and there's a legend to it do you want to tell it or, oh, no, no. You, you Please go ahead. All right. So legend has it that that's back in the 1880s. So 1880s, villagers in Taihan successfully chased off plague and evil spirits by parading the village with a straw dragon covered with incense. Can you imagine smoking a straw dragon? It sounds like it would just burst into flames because it's made out of straw yeah, covered with but incense. But incense, they burn slowly. You don't really see a flame. Right. Like a stick of incense will last for a bit. So to commemorate the victory, the villagers will perform a fire dragon dance through the alleys and streets of Taihang every year since. So this Taihang dragon, it's a massive structure covered in thousands of incense sticks burning on its body. And uh, it's made out of hemp rope, pearl, straw, rattan. And requires hundreds of performers to prop it up. Wow. Hundreds. Yeah. So I've never seen it, but I should go search for that. It sounds like a spectacular event. Lanterns, which is, you know, I think this is something you see in a lot of different Chinese holidays. So you have Chinese New Year and you have the Lantern Festival, which follows, what, 15 days after the first day of. And then you have. Yeah, that's the main one. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so lanterns are common in a lot of different. I would say it's similar in all regions of China, as far as I know. But maybe it's more extreme in some cities and some townships than others. I have to say, Jason, that being a kid like forty years ago was a lot more fun than being a kid today. Oh, really? Like back when I was a kid, yeah, because things were natural. Like、uh, for Lantern Festival, that's I think was、uh, like January, like after the Chinese New Year. Every kid in the block, every kid in the family, like would、uh, come out with paper lanterns. Okay, we didn't play with like light bulb ones, those like electrical ones. That are not; they are not fun. Like we want live fires. <laughs> like you,、right. you would lit a little candle. And put them in the paper lantern and go out with other kids. And of course, one kid or more kids, you know, their lanterns were burned up. And you hear cries,、uh, you know, wailing. My lantern burned up. And they probably just go home. And their parents you, you normally would prepare like more than one because this happens often. And it was fun, you know, just thinking about it. And we had so much more time just playing outside with other kids. And now people live in these high-rise buildings. It's hard to organize things like this. And also, we have less like natural spaces for people to walk around and just,、uh, mm-hmm. you know, kids play kids games. It's a different time, and also kids are so much more into electrical,、mm. like all kinds、mm. of gadgets. They live in their minds a lot more. But, 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 I feel like there might be、uh, people might feel the need to、uh, return to the good old times. You know, we've had so much fun with all these new inventions, and we've also experienced like booming economy. And people, in a way, we are richer, but we are more exhausted, right?、Mm-hmm. And、mm-hmm. we've lost touch a bit with a fun part of our, <laughs>、uh, like from our childhood, of being down to earth humans, of doing things that you know humans enjoy to do, eating, being, hang out with friends and families, instead of just.、Uh, I think different families are are you know more interested. Traditional Chinese culture than other families who were probably just going to turn on、mm. the TV, right? So you get a variety of different kinds of reactions to these holidays because you do have like these temple fairs in Beijing around all these major holidays,、mm. and you know tens of thousands of people go, but there are millions of people in Beijing, so it's really only a small handful、mm-hmm. of Beijingers that actually end up going to these holidays or going to these special events. But they're still going on. So for some families, it's very intense and it's very Traditional and it's very you know like it was forty years ago. And for other families, it's like,、right. well, let's watch the gala or something. You know, depending on the holiday we're talking about. I think like families with kids would be more active in participating and going to these fairs and、mm. festivals and temple fairs because it's just a good place to hang out. You know, like a family activity. But also another thing I want to mention when it comes to all these festivals in Chinese culture is that the theme of unity. And unity,、uh, harmony. These are ideas. These are things that people celebrate, right? In China,、uh, these are something you know people worship. And I don't really feel that back in the states when I studied and lived there.、Mm-hmm. Like in the states, it was more about you know who do you want to become? You know what are your potentials? And it was all about the individual. But here in China, you know, when it comes to even in these festivals, usually the main theme is unity. For example, for the Mooncake Festival, you call it the Mid Autumn Festival. It's about families being together, and also the Spring Festival. And no matter how far away from home you are, from your you know、uh, hometown, you go back. Right after whole years. Hard work. You go back and reunite with your family, have some really nice meals, and even you know get drunk and just、uh, relax.、Um, and same for this festival. I think sometimes maybe foreigners don't understand how important this concept is in Chinese culture and how important it is as part of the festival. It's not just about you know eating mooncakes or giving gifts. It's about being together, making an effort to come back together. Unity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're listening to the bridge. Well, I mean, I actually wanted to point out that there's a Confucian festival from the 26th to the 28th that has actually become contemporary. And、uh, you know, we were talking to Jeffrey Sachs. He does the、um, mm. what is the Athens Confucian Forum? Right. That's actually coming to Chufu this year、oh. from 26th to the 28th, and Jeffrey Sachs will be there. 
here here in China. This month? Uh, yes, this month, at the end of the month. It's the Nishan Ninth uh, International Global Culture Forum wow. in Chufu. But it also coincides with a Confucian festival that has been going on for, you know, a couple of thousand years. Mm. What's really interesting about this particular festival is it, it takes place literally the three days before the 29th, which is going to be a mid-autumn festival. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you were just talking about, unity. Mm. One of the things that Confucius taught was right. social unity and so and filial piety and these ideas about connectivity mm-hmm. and society. So it's I don't think it's a, a coincidence that Mid-Autumn Festival coincides around the same time as this Confucian festival. And there may be um, a great deal more unity uh, there than uh, is apparent on the surface. But I also want to move on and I want to, I'm very interested as a foreigner Mm. in what is China? This is a question I ask myself all the time because I'm not Chinese. And so I notice differences because I'm looking for what is China and I notice, oh, okay, this is done this way here. This is done. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, according to the same Hong Kong article by Jenny Lung, she mentions that they're one of parts of Mid-Autumn Festival. And she says, no Mid-Autumn Festival meal would be complete without. And she mentions sweet, glutinous right dumplings, uh, rice dumplings for this holiday, which I've never heard of until I read this article. Right. So I think it's a Southern thing. I mean, I've heard of glutinous right dumplings, but no one has ever mentioned them in the same sentence as Mid-Autumn Festival to me before. Yeah, I wouldn't really associate the two together. Like Mid-Autumn Festival is more about mooncakes rather than... Well, she uh, says no mid-autumn meal would be complete without. So this is what I mean. Maybe in Hong Kong. (laughs) Well, I mean, Canton, you know, the whole like Guangdong area, because it's, you know, they're very similar. I think Mm. a lot of people in China even don't see it as easily as we can as foreigners when we come here, Mm -hmm. that there are regional uh, special festivals or differences. Differences. Not everything is identical as a lot of Chinese people will just assume, okay, I'm raised in Shandong, right? Everything I grew up with, that's what China is. But if you go to, you know, right, a right. different part of China, the festival, they'll still have the same festival, but there'll be nuanced differences in the way that it's expressed. Right. Like the fillings for mooncakes. Okay. I have to tell this story. Right, right, right. So I grew up in like middle part of like along the Yangtze River in Wuhan, as you know. So for these part, like uh, northern parts, mooncakes are meant to be sweet, like desserts type of things, mm. right? Pastry. You call them pastry. So the fillings are always sugary. Mm. But one time, I think I was, what, like eight or maybe like... Like seven or eight, we had this these this box of uh, mooncakes given to us as gifts, and I took one out and I broke I think half of it, and I took one bite and I froze. <laughs> I still remember that moment. I was standing in front of the bookcase and staring at this half mooncake with a bite taken out of it, <laughs> and literally time froze. My mind stopped. I was so confused. I think you found one of those magic elixir pills. <laughs> but I was still like, I was like, grilled <laughs> onto the ground because the filling of that mooncake had meat in it. Really? It had ham in it. Wow. And the taste of it, the taste was like, like you don't mix salt with sugar. At least, you know, when I was little, hmm. okay? Like if it's sugary, it's sugary, right? When it's salty, it's salty. But this mooncake, not only did it have meat, inside it was like sugary salty or salty sugary i was so confused my mind was like had like electrical (laughs) shots going through it (laughs) i i was like is this like rotten and i had to go ask my parents because i was so confused yeah this did not taste right (laughs) and my parents explained these were like more like southern Mm. types of mooncakes so they would put other fancy stuff in it you know like all kinds of meat and stuff even you know the yeah, in the south, it's full of meat. I loved rest. it so much more down yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> Not only meat, but they would like put a slice of fat, just like you know, white lard, natural mm. fat part from pork inside it, so mm. that it, it would taste more moist and oily. <laughs> and the first time I had it, I was like, "Oh gosh, <laughs> I'll never get used to this." And it was so much more filling. So me growing up, you're from Wuhan. That's like the central South, right? You know? Yeah. But we are, we do the sweet parts, even, you know, how Oh, you're like a Northern style family. Yes. And you know, uh, tofu now, which is like soft tofu, right? You in Wuhan, you know that they, it's like really, really soft tofu and you eat them fresh. Like when they're mm. just done cooked. And for us, we eat it with like some uh, sugar on top. Yeah. You just 
put some sugar on top and eat it like a sweet kind of soup. And then when I went to like Dongbei, so that's northeastern part of China. And for breakfast one day, we had the same soft tofu. But there was like a whole salty dish put on top of the tofu hmm. <laughs> soup. It was like um, uh, like salty tofu. It's like one day you had cereal and it turned out to be like salty with soy sauce in it. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Now I, I'm starting to get to how weird this feels for you. <laughs> like that, that freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very different experience. It was, yeah. It's not that it's not mm. good tasting. It is just, it's against all your culinary laws that mm. you grew up with. Yeah. You know, I've come to appreciate them more. And nowadays there's so many more different varieties, like durian mooncakes. Because durian Dur- is oh, relatively... Oh, gosh, no. Ew. Oh, they're, they're good. <laughs> no. You don't like durian? Okay. You don't... No, no. But let's move <laughs> on. There's. I wanted to ask you, and this says nowadays in this part by... It's the same by Jenny Lung. She says osmanthus wine is oh paired my. with mooncakes oh. in the south. What is... I don't know what this is. What is osmanthus wine? Okay. So osmanthus. This... If I have to name just one flower... Well, one type of fragrance that I like the most or that I love the most, it would be the fragrance of osmanthus flowers. Have you ever seen osmanthus tree? Really? Their flowers are tiny and no. they're like kind of yellow. You probably had them in your tea or in certain kinds of dessert. Oh, I think I do know what you're talking about. The fragrance of that flower is heavenly. I don't know how to describe to you. Like when you smell it, you feel enlightened. Like you are lifted off your feet from the ground. <laughs> it is such a nice smell and it goes deep into your body and it actually like influences mm-hmm. you. So it's like one wow. of my, it's just literally my favorite fragrance. So this flower after it's dried and maybe some people take it fresh. You can put them in your tea, in your dessert. There's this popular type of um, pastry made with like sticky yellow millet. And Mm -hmm. so when they serve it in restaurants, it's often glazed with like a sugary syrup. Mm -hmm. And then they will sprinkle some of uh, osmanthus flowers Mm -hmm. on top. And also people put them in their tea. Oh, it's wonderful. And this is a southern plant. So you don't really see these kind of trees in northern parts of China. I think it's too cold for them. But for me, like growing up in middle to southern parts of China, oh, it's a golden season. Like go somewhere uh, in the south in the fall season, in autumn, when the these flowers bloom. Oh my gosh. It's a, uh, what? I can't find a word to, it's a heavenly experience standing close to a osmanthus tree or somewhere in the vicinity and a drift of it, of it will come by and you'll be like oh, what is that is it like a fragrance from heaven because it's so, it's unlike anything else that's how i feel about lavender oh no it's a different totally different feeling lavender is nice but osmanthus is heavenly like you will not forget that smell like uh, ask your wife she'll know about it so yeah I, this could she be, probably has the tea in the house somewhere probably yeah you can okay i wanted to go back to the regionalism this is from the article you mentioned earlier china highlights festivals mm-hmm. and it has a breakdown of because you know every i mean Everyone should know that uh, Singapore and Malaysia have huge Chinese populations. Mm. So it says what to expect for Mid-Autumn Festival 2023, and it has a breakdown for Singapore and Malaysia. And I thought we could compare and see what is the same and what is dissimilar. So it says Chinese lanterns in Chinatown, which I think is weird because I thought Singapore was just a giant Chinatown. (laughs) But there is a Chinatown. Oh, I don't think there will be. Uh, you might get some uh, bad comments. Uh, hey, if you want to send bad comments to Jason, please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com. Looking forward to your comments. We will read them on the air. Okay, so it says watch a staged okay. performance, traditional story of Chang at the Singapore Botanical Gardens. So that sounds really exciting. You could actually watch an mm-hmm. archer come out and you know, we could see, you know, which version of the story they perform. <laughs> See, yeah. Is it the evil kind or the heroic kind? Well, yours has and, evil too, because the bad guy goes to hang out with Chunga and she has to escape by drinking, yeah. taking magic. But not the pills. hero. Like the hero is the hero, right? And the version I heard that he wasn't the hero. So that's. Okay. Well, I think kids will get very confused. <laughs> Hey, if you guys want to email and tell Jason why he's wrong about that, remember, you can email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. Okay, this says in Kuala Lumpur. Jason is waiting for your evil comments. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, I'm very excited. Tell us your version of the story of Chang'e. Please email us and tell us mm. your version. We'll read it on the air. I promise. Mm. Okay, Kuala Lumpur. There will be dragon and lion dances. So they have both. And they have artists and young people performing dances and songs with floats carrying the seven maidens, including Chang'e. So there's apparently Ooh. a whole bunch of other characters we didn't even know in our story. Who are the seven maidens? Oh, I know. Qi Xianyu, the seven fairies. Mm. We just know them as seven heavenly fairies. Well, I guess Chang'e is one of them. Are they like stars in the sky or something? Yeah, they're like fairies. They're from heaven. Yeah, but it's been so long. I don't remember who they, you know, who they are specifically. I just realized. But they're all beautiful. Mm. You said the person who makes the pills was deposed from their position. And then the rabbit who is supposed to pass out the pills. There's no immortals left because who's making and passing out these pills? (laughs) Someone else. (laughs) The fox, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, if he's already the Jade Emperor, he could probably just like, you know, snap his fingers and there are the pills. But anyhow. Right, I guess. Then why have these people making them in the first place? Okay. (laughs) In Penang, which I've been to, absolutely beautiful island, Penang, Mm. uh, the River of Lights Lantern Parade will be held in Georgetown, which is the basically the main city there. Exciting. Uh, Besides the lantern palades, locals will perform lion dancers and wushu. So kung fu is part of it. Martial arts. Kung fu is part of it. That would be cool. I want to go there. That sounds like the coolest one to me. Isn't this fun? I know. Like, these are such fun activities to take your kids to. Like, I'm old for these. I'm like, uh, I'll just, you know, watch a video. But kids, someday these will be fun events for little kids. You know, we get a bit lazier when we get older. Well, there's got to be festivals here in Beijing. I will look them up, especially festivals. Yeah. I do want to mention, because we're going to do a whole episode about Golden Week in a couple of weeks for you guys. But I also wanted to mention that this holiday, September 29th, Friday, is going to be connected with National Day to create a super Golden Week of eight days off in a row for people with regular jobs. Ooh, are you going somewhere? I'm trying to convince my wife that we should take a trip to Xi'an. Oh, it's going to be very crowded, I bet. It's not that far. But it's going to be fun. It's only a few hundred kilometers away. We could take a train over there, mm-hmm. hang out. I love right. big crowds. I love big crowds. So if Xi'an is like packed at night and there's like 20,000 people in downtown, I would like, wow. You know, I want to, I want to take pictures and video <laughs> of these. The, you know, I love those times. This is one of the things I really like about China. I'm from a place, San Francisco, where you go downtown at night. You know, there's just some people there. It's not that mm-hmm. like packed. But here in China, you know, a city on a like a holiday night or just sometimes Friday nights, you'll just get tens of thousands of people in every direction, all like having fun with their families and they're holding lights and like candies. Every store has a line to get some snacks. And it's so exciting. Yeah. The nightlife here in China is like vibrant with excitement and and it, you know, it's really safe at the same time. So I really love that experience. You know, that's why they say uh, I've seen videos of some foreigners. They make videos about China, their experience here. Mm. And the titles be like, China is dangerous at night. And the what? reason would be really? there's so much good food, like street food. On the street at night that if you just go out at night, you are, (laughs) you you know, you definitely will find something that's hard to resist and you will gain extra pounds because of walking outside at night. And that's how dangerous it is. It's not from other things like normal danger, but you can't escape from the kebabs. Mm. Right. Or the noodles or all the other fancy things they have, uh, local delicacies. So something to keep. I wanted to actually add to what you've just said, because I like walking in the evening because it's a little cooler. And I sometimes I want to bring my wife along because why? Hey, why not? Let's go walking together. But I realized increasingly that this is a mistake and that Mm -hmm. every time because I will I have a very I have a vision ahead of two hours of going on a loop for 15,000 steps at the park and coming home. But every time I bring some with me she's like oh let's eat that mm-hmm. oh let's eat this oh let's eat that and then like the whole point of going out to get some exercise is defeated <laughs> it's ruined speaking of exercise and calories mm-hmm. so xian you just mentioned it has a nickname of the capital of carbs oh, really? the capital of carbohydrates wow. because the local food it's uh like there's some really really my mouth is watering <laughs> There's some really popular local dishes, but they're all like 
noodles or other types of like starchy food mm. or calories, but they're so mm. good. And they're the meat buns, right? They're the like white noodles, thin noodles. Anyhow, so when you go there, you will know. You will know. So, um, but just a few days of carb extravagance will be also okay. Also, the Terracotta Warriors, and I think Xi'an, if in, I think you could correct me if I'm wrong, used to be the capital of China for several centuries. Right. right? So that's right. exciting. Definitely. Yeah. And there's like the whole palace and all that. And I just want to squeeze in a little bit of fun information uh, I found about mooncakes. In this article, delishbee.com, that's <laughs> a very sure. odd word. <laughs> It had a fun, fun fact about mooncakes. They were an instrument of revolution. And according what? to legend, mooncakes were instrumental in overthrowing the Mongolian Yuan dynasty. Have you ever heard I of that? I have no idea how a mooncake could overthrow a dynasty. Yeah, this was new to me too. So the story goes that Zhu Yuanzhang, who was the founder of the subsequent Ming dynasty, he circulated a rumor that a frightening plague was spreading. And that the only way to prevent infection was to eat a certain type of mooncake. Well, people mm. should, you know, be suspicious right there, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then messages, messages pinpointing the date of a planned national uprising was then hidden in the films. Mm. So basically everyone was going out to get these mooncakes with this specific type of fillings. And everyone who ate it would, you know, find this message inside. And not surprisingly, the date set was the 15th day of the 8th lunar month, which was the Chinese Mid-Autumn Festival. So everyone like threw down and was like, we're overthrowing the Mongols? After they finished the mooncakes, yeah. But this is the story, <laughs> who knows? I don't think I've ever heard about this from my history textbooks. Yeah, so it's a way of, uh, in, hey, a new idea. If someone wants to propose... Secret messages inside of cake. Yeah, another way of proposing uh, is to bury the ring inside the mooncake. What if they right? bite it and chip their tooth? Then I, don't, I, know. I don't know. So the, <laughs> the bride will show up to the wedding with a chipped front tooth. <laughs> but it was romantic. <laughs> Last question, baby. You do have a family. You have a daughter. What are you planning? Yeah. You know, what did you do last year? What are you going to do this year? What are you going to do next year? What does a modern Chinese family do for Mid-Autumn Festival in reality? You know, Jason, my life is really without much frills. It's just the basics for me. You know, work, three meals a day, keep everyone alive, <laughs> and uh, work, 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 more work. So I guess this year, we will definitely receive mooncakes for gifts. So I'm not going to go out and buy any. And I will moan about the boxes, <laughs> the packaging, and save what I can. And maybe I'll go out for a meal, I think. Yeah, you know, we've been home a lot for the past mm -hmm. three years. And now we do want to go out more, try out different restaurants. And does that mean bring, you know, grandpa, grandma along, cousins or anything like that? Yeah, actually this year, at least my mom will be here. So we will go out and search for some nice, nice. food. Other than that, I'm too lazy to like, you know, put up uh, decorations and all that. And always, if there are other kids who want to play with like lanterns, although I don't think that's part of the mid-autumn festival tradition, mm -hmm. we could do, you know, as long as the kids have fun. I was just going to say that for people who are here for the first time in China, and if it happens to be mid-autumn festival, remember that you don't really eat the mooncakes whole, right? Because it's not good for you. It's actually like one slice is enough. It's too sugary and too much calories, but it's a nice mm. symbol. And as you have probably noticed, traditional mooncakes, they always come in the shape of uh, like the round shape. And that has meaning too, because mm -hmm. uh, like Chinese people, as I said, we value unity. It's something we always shoot for. You know, people, families should be close together. And the round shape carries the meaning of unity, of just, just perfection, you know? So the traditional ones are always in the shape of uh, a mm -hmm. circle. But nowadays, there are like triangular ones. There are like square ones. Um, yeah, anything. There'll probably be star ones too in the future. Who knows? <laughs> it's just going to go out all kinds of crazy. I've only seen the round ones, but they have yeah. little ridges and things on them. All right. Thank you so much for your mm -hmm. time, baby. And, we, you know, your insight into Chinese culture. Thank you, listeners. And again, please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com if you want to add to this conversation. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you, Jason. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Oh, yeah.